around Now I like a woman who loves her freedom And I like a woman who can hold her own And if you fit that description, baby Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a smooth soul Monday. A little float on for you. Yeah, that puts you puts you right there in the right mood right there. I like that. Mm-hmm. Smooth oh, soul Monday. You also, you ain't never lied. <laughs> you ain't never lied about how smooth this soul Monday is. Yeah, Harge missed his calling. He probably could have been a late night <laughs> DJ for a great R&B station. Uh, as well, uh, smooth grooves yeah. with Har- with Harge. W, <laughs> w rock your world right here on one hundred four point nine. If you don't think whole. Harge could rock a suit matching with five other guys oh. and just do the two step dance, oh, I got that. He already did. They did. He got the two step dance, and then you just got to do the voice oh. every once in a while. There's definitely video of that somewhere. Oh, yeah, I guarantee sure. you. Oh, for sure. With a Jerry curl, <laughs> with a curl, with a curl. It was a little dry. Curls. It was a little dry. It was a little dry. A little parched. <laughs> But I'm back, baby. Oh, no <laughs> doubt. No doubt. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, my man Patrick, for a smooth soul Monday. Also, Halloween edition of Ball Don't Lie. So happy Halloween to everybody out there. Uh, Halloween plans, your kids. What's the what's the costumes in your house? Do you have? Man, I'm, DJ, we, DJ went as a basketball player. Okay. He was wearing Michael Jordan today. With, all right. With his J's on. Okay. And then Jasmine, she went as a, God, I forgot the. Character, oh, it's a Encante, character? Encante, or whatever it is, Encanta. Ooh, I yeah. don't know. See, I'm too. Yep, I'm not. You know, I'm out she, of the loop. She, she, she gets mad at me because I never remember that character's name. What, what, what show or it's or the movie? movie is it that's from? what. That, that's the name of the movie. Oh, is it the E N C? Okay, I've seen the title. I just yeah. don't think I know exactly what it's about. Yeah, she, ah, she was mad at me today. All right, and you then just, I just got a picture. She didn't already changed, so <laughs> she's already wearing something. Different. Hold on, you're supposed to do the hardball change. Go get candy first, then change so they'll think you're a different kid and because you're in a different costume. This one is that's she, a hardball move, man. She don't she don't care. Oh man, she's like, she changing already. She, midday, midday changed? came home, changed because that is the picture wow. I just got was not what she wore to school today. Man, yeah. so she's another character already. Already, are you going uh, trick or treating with the kiddos? No. No. They're going to probably be Dude. already out. When you get home, they're going to already be out yeah, there. Mirabelle, yeah, Mirabelle, that's it. That's it. That's oh, who the player. Yeah, yeah it, gets, it gets dark early. Yeah. You're right. Damn yeah, it. I'm going to miss some of the kiddos. Yeah. I got I to gotta rush home. Yeah, you probably up. already got a. What'd you say? They're getting some good candy. Oh, they get a good kid. I got. I got. Oh, yeah. basically, because my belief is that all parents take a candy tax when the candy gets to the house, and they go through the kids' candy. They say it's for safety of the kids. It ain't for no damn safety of the kids. <laughs> they want to go through and pick out really cool candy. They like so. This year, I'm actually giving the parents a bit of a treat. I put a lot of Ghirardelli. Yeah, chocolate in there, I like that. Which I know the kids don't really give a damn for, but when the parents come for the candy tax, they'll be like, damn! Yeah. And also in the corners giving away Ghirardelli chocolate. Man, they doing it big. They're going to come over a lot. Exactly. And I'll get re- we'll get some respect from the neighbors. Okay. They're like, okay, okay, man, they they doing the most over. They don't know what's going on, so we're hooking it up. This no, I'm, I'm getting no... This is a reminder, too, when you go home, uh, drive slow through every neighborhood. Uh, yes. yes. Because there's going to so. be little kids running in the street everywhere, and every Amen. Halloween I'm driving home, and we get off late and you just you start Quick driving and you're like oh, i'm just driving normal and then all of a sudden you see it in your first and you're like slow down yeah slow no down. no right you usually school zones in the morning basically act yep. like there's school zones going on right now in your neighborhood. school That's zones right. great point patrick especially in my neighborhood we have a ton of kids in our neighborhood so everybody knows to kind of 
Slow it down. Slow it down, honey. Slow it down. Oh, you gonna homie. get you gonna get yelled at and cussed out oh, by a bunch sure. of parents. That's oh. what's gonna happen. And we're gonna come find you. <laughs> exactly. Oh, we, we know what kind of car we you know drive. We know what kind of cars come through we'll our neighborhood. We'll talk to each other and figure out where That's you right. live. Yeah, yeah. So drive slow today. Yeah, my people in my people in my neighborhood. And by the way, Patrick li- is my neighbor. So Patrick knows this. Yeah. I live near a stop sign. At least once a day somebody blows through that stop sign. Oh yeah. Like at least, I mean, I mean, just, just like, like either they don't see it. Doesn't it. make sense. I'm hoping they don't know. see it because yeah. they see it and still blow through it like that. Then they are the worst dreads of society. But it's near a school, as you know, Patrick. Yeah, yeah. no, it's I mean, school. it's bad that there's some stop signs in our neighborhood that have like flags on them and stuff. Yeah, like stop exactly. Yeah. It's just hey, hey, hey waving yeah. you down. And stuff. No, no, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, people are terrible about that stuff. So yeah, pay attention and yeah. watch out for the kiddos, man. We love the kids. And the movie is called Encanto. 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 That's right. In, okay. Encanto. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So she, but she already switched she up already something switched. else. Now. I don't even know what this outfit is. I just yeah, got him. Yeah. I have to send a text and be like, "Hey, hey what's I need to on? know what's going on with my kids." <laughs> I'd like to know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what's going on with my kids. Yeah. I'm gonna be sending that text. I guarantee when I have kids for my life. Hey, babe. Uh, what's what's going generally, on what's kids? going on with my kids? Just in general, I don't need <laughs> I just, much. I yeah, just want to know a couple of details. People are asking me stuff, stuff, and I realize I don't really know much about my own damn kids, and I want to know more. That's why my daughter just looks at me kind of crazy she's like you here like, why are you here i want to know more about my kids uh all right we're gonna hear from steve sarkeesian here in this segment uh, also rod around the day i'm thinking a bit of a hodgepodge i want to talk a little nfl but also talk some longhorns and you know i think we got some time to do it so we're going to do that uh, let's talk about this this big game for texas because this is a chance for steve sarkeesian to get a signature win by the way he has not had a signature win yet it has escaped him so far uh this season and I'm sorry, this season, but this season and last season, he's been yeah. here two years now. And this is a chance to get it because I don't know what uh, K-State will be ranked, but I'm assuming they're going to be ranked in the top 15 somewhere, mm-hmm. right? Right around there. I mean, they beat I would think so. a top 10 team just this past weekend. That's a second top 10 team they've beaten, by the way. But they just love beating up, beating up Oklahoma, and I like that too. You beat on Oklahoma, <laughs> we can all agree beating up Oklahoma is a great thing. K-State in home games this season, research I've done, five home games. Two shutouts, 14 turnovers forced. As a matter of fact, how about this? All their turnovers forced this season have come at home. Mm. All of them. Man. Isn't that a freaky weird stuff? That is. That's crazy. 12 points per game allowed on average at home and only a little over three yards, 300 yards, excuse me, per game. 303, actually. 303 Mm. yards. Per game allowed. K State is number thirteen right now. Thank yeah, you I just much, looked Patrick. right now. I figured they're number be thirteen, top fifteen, somewhere around there. And Oklahoma State has moved down to number eighteen. Oh, shout out! Yeah, I love uh, this from <laughs> Police Chief. He says, "I love monitoring stop signs where I work. Easy citations when they blow by it. Agreed. Yep. yep. And who are these idiots blowing out through, through stop signs? Come yep. on, not right. good. Come on. If I see a police officer uh, get get somebody a ticket." On my, by my neighborhood, by the stop sign, I'm probably going to go there and either give the officer a, a High gift. Five. Uh, like, a gift or something. I'll try to give him a Starbucks gift card or also something. Also, say, give him some of that candy. <laughs> yeah, you give some of that Ghirardelli. <laughs> I give him some <laughs> of that Ghirardelli <laughs> chocolate. That's I'll do right. something. I would really He'll appreciate that. He'll be excited that. about that. Um, but no, getting back to it, though, K State, it does like Texas. I saw, I saw a texter mention this, too, and I, I'm going to see if I can try to find the text. I thought it was a really good point. Texas is a really young team. Yep. Um, and. You know, in K State, they're not necessarily a young team, but they they do have some young players at key positions, and young teams are inconsistent, and they play better at home most more often times than not. 
And for even for K-State, we've seen K-State inconsistently this year. But at home, that's when you get the most consistent product from K-State. That's also where you get the most consistent product from Texas is at home, unfortunately. And on the road, that's when you get kind of a toss-up. Yeah. You can get – I mean, and most of the time for Texas – that toss up is going to be on a you know on the losing end more oftentimes than not because we've seen whether it be Texas Tech, uh, whether it be the true road game you just had against Oklahoma State, true road game, not Oklahoma because that's a neutral side, but true road games where you got to go into a hostile environment that is not brought out the best in Texas. And there's the text yeah. right there, Rod. Uh, <clears throat> oh, thank you, thank yep. you. Arch. Uh, yep. Texter, Tex, uh, Texas, like a uh, typical young team, is much better at home, and so is K-State by far. That's what worries me most this Saturday. Great text, yep. and I totally agree. And K-State is not a, a, your normal young team. These guys are very experienced They teams. are. It's like, it's like Deuce Vaughn plays a freshman, exactly. and Will Howard is a young player, but still play. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you. It's, like, it's, it's a weird yeah. young team, but still have a lot of guys that have played. Yeah. And, and you were right, Rod. They did have seven players on the all big 12 team when you break down wow. when you break down the positions and I forgot about the special teams with uh Knowles as the kickoff and punt returner for the big 12 oh yeah you go yeah Malik Knowles and yeah. honestly he's a damn good receiver he's a too damn good wide yeah, receiver he could have easily been on the first team as a wide receiver no he's explosive yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you uh I know your pick that K-State would end up being in the championship game right now looks to be a smart pick you should put you put money on your mouth this uh, I keep telling you this hard I do put the money with you put money I, on that one? Oh yeah nice. just to, not to win the championship but to make it hey that's still good that's money. what we do um but to me the biggest concern for Texas going into this matchup with, with K-State it's twofold Really, I guess maybe even threefold, depending on how K State's quarterback situation works out. I think number one, you got to prepare for both quarterbacks, so that's one and two mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of the uh, the twofold. There, you got to worry about both, and then it's Deuce Fun. So to me, it, figuring out who the quarterback is and then coming up with a game plan. By the way, when you have you've had extra time to prepare, that's the that's the good thing. Now you need every bit of extra time to prepare because you've had to prepare for two quarterbacks. Hmm. You got to prepare for yeah, Will Howard, you got, yeah. and you do have to prepare for Adrian Martinez. So Sark was asked about it uh, at his press conference. You hear it live right here on 104.9 uh, The Horn Mondays. It was at 11.30, but usually 11-ish is what we like to say. Uh, it's mm-hmm. 11.30 now. They've officially, oh, officially? moved, I believe. See, yeah. I, you know what? I want to say, Ball Don't Lie is the one that suggested it. We was like, yes. just move it. Yes. Like, why do you keep, if the man needs extra time to practice, don't put pressure on him. I want him to be there Putting in the work at exactly. practice. Don't don't interrupt don't him at interrupt. practice yeah. to come talk to the media. Hell no. Yeah. Let him take care of his business there at practice. But then don't have the media there waiting because I know a lot of those guys and gals, ladies, right. they have things to do. Yes. They got to, you know, they put a schedule together. And you, because you try to go sometimes. Sometimes yeah, exactly. like, hey, I'm trying to time it out. I got an appointment at yeah. this time, but I'm trying to get, the, you, know, you know, a 30 minutes in of the press conference. So just move it to 11. Fighting for parking, trying yeah. to find an angle, oh. trying to do all that other so, stuff. It's like, uh, there you go. Yeah. Listen to Ball, don't lie. There keep, we go. Keep, keep listening, listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I was going to say, we, keep we, listening. We don't always have great suggestions, but every now and then, we, we hit every now and then. That was yeah. an easy one right there. Uh, but getting back to it, uh, let's hear from uh, Steve Sarkis. As a matter of fact, here is Sark when he was asked about uh, the quarterbacks, both quarterbacks, and how he has uh, stated several times they're preparing for all options at quarterback for K-State. Yeah, we are prepared for both. We have to. Um, I think, you know, that you know, obviously the style of player that, that Adrian Martinez is uh, in the quarterback run game is a real factor in the success they had with him. 
and then obviously Will Howard and his ability to really throw the ball and push the ball down the field. So uh, we're fortunate, like I said, that we've had two weeks uh, to kind of prepare. We're able to get some extra reps on this, but uh, you know, whichever guy plays, they're both good players, and you know they could both be healthy and they both could play. We don't know, so we got to be ready for both. All right, easy, Harris. No question. We'd rather see Will Howard, right? Because he could now he could be Will Thrill. Yes, I was Howard, say, as he was yeah. last week. He was awesome, right? Twenty-one of thirty-seven, two hundred ninety-six yards, four touchdowns. He was a man amongst boys. Yeah. But he could also be Will Spill the Peel Howard, which he has been most of his college career, and he makes questionable decisions and oftentimes bad decisions. Yes, really high upside, high risk, but high reward player. Uh, last game, he was just all reward, no risk at all. Right, and that's why when you look at this, again, I look at the maturity of each player as they go. Each year you get a different version and you become a different version of yourself. Mm -hmm. So you can go in there and you can say you're going to get better and not put the work in, or you can go in there and put the work in and move yourself along. And that's what I think will the thrill Howard, because I'm going to call him the thrill because what we saw last week was was very impressive. Now we can also look at that defense for Oklahoma State. They were down a couple players. They weren't the same team that Texas saw the week before. But the simple fact was they were slicing and dicing the entire time and being more effective with their play calling. That's the biggest thing that I took away from it. So when you're preparing, I want no parts of Adrian Martinez. I'm going to be quite honest with you because of his running ability. Yeah. I don't I – don't, I'm not saying and Texas can't can handle it. Well, how can one too? Remember, he had a he big run against him, <laughs> and nobody was catching him last year. <laughs> yeah, and nobody so was run. gaining ground right, on to him. To your point, Adrian Martinez is a much season, much more seasoned passer. Yes, and right. To, I kept bringing up this stat last year. He was the most pressured quarterback in college football last year. And people kept talking about, man, he was terrible and he was really bad in Nebraska. And you and I kept trying to warn people, listen, if he gets an offensive line that can block for him, Mm -hmm. he can be a more than serviceable passer. But then you're going to have to worry about one of the best running uh, threats at quarterback in all of college football. He's been that since he's been a starting quarterback. But now with time and a line in front of him and time to throw, he's dangerous. And deuce in the backfield with him. He can have a deuce in the backfield with him. And that's the toughest part for you as a defense because are you trying who is your key who is who is the most deadly person on the field it's going to be both of them if deuce and adrian martinez because of the rpo and the way that they use adrian martinez in that run game we've been talking about it all year i know we make it a focus on the texas football team but it's been said that the entire world is having a tough time defending a quarterback that can run well, he's a different level type of runner as well. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, um, I'd much rather see Will Howard than Adrian Martinez, and I wouldn't doubt if even if Adrian Martinez is healthy, you still see both. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't doubt if K-State did some freaky, crazy stuff like that. It, it, one of my concerns going to this game, it, it, and let's play one more cut here from Steve Sarkeesian, uh, and this is about uh, the benefits of the bye week here um, because – I want to know what they did in the bye week specifically. I would like to know because there's there's got to be a mix of self scouting mm-hmm. so that you can try to improve on some of the areas that have been of concern so far this season. But also, you would love the extra jump uh, to get you know obviously game planning on your upcoming opponent, K State. Uh, here's Steve Sarkeesian when he was asked about what the uh, the benefits of the bye week have been for him and his team. 
guys. Yeah, I think the buy was 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 really beneficial. You know, there's a lot of moving parts to a season. I think one, I think the guys were a little fatigued after eight straight games um, plus training camp, and so we needed to kind of recharge the batteries on on some of the guys. But it was also good for a lot of our younger players to get a lot of quality reps during last week's practice. Um, some guys that we may be counting on here uh, the final month of this regular season. So for those guys, it was really positive. I think it was a great opportunity for us as a staff to really self-assess and self-scout kind of what we're doing, why we're doing what we're doing. And, you know, there's sometimes you go into a season and you think you're going to be really good at a scheme or, or, or a personnel grouping. And it plays out that way and you are right, good. And there's other times where it's not, you're not getting kind of um, the reward back on what you've, the investment you've made. And now we've got to shift gears a little bit. So I think on a lot of levels last week was, was really good for us. But probably the biggest thing that came out of it for me, when you think about the way our week went last week coming to today was the spark in practice today. I felt like the guys were definitely energized. There was real intent. Um, the speed of practice was better. And to me, uh, that, that's probably the most beneficial factor of it all. Uh, yeah, and that's Sark talking about all the different things self-scouting-wise that they had to do in the, in the offseason, sorry, in the bye week. And I think that um, there's one, I'll bring this up in Rob's round today, there's one particular concept that I t- think the Texas DBs needed to work on um, in the bye week. And I hope they did. I'm almost 100% sure they did. Uh, but I'll get into that in some more detail in Raj rant of the day. Uh, but real quick, the one thing that I really um, I am complimentary of when it comes to K-State's offense is how multiple it is. They do a great job of being able to hide Deuce Vaughn within the scheme of the offense. Sometimes they'll line him up in I formation just as the, the tailback. Uh, sometimes they got him in the same backfield with another tailback, two tailback sets. Uh, there are times where they go, you know, 11 or 12 personnel, one back, one tight end, one back, two tight ends, and they'll just spread them out and go empty and put them in the slot and get them lined up against a, a, a linebacker. And they're like, oh, linebacker's covering them. Deuce, you got the option route. Whatever you choose, you're right. open. We'll throw it to you. Right. I mean, they just – they, they do so much to, to, to give him uh, kind of freedom uh, it, it within the offense to you know basically give him the best chance to be successful and to weaponize him in the best way. And that's what makes him tough to game plan for because, like I said, you've got a game plan for eye formation, power, power sets. They'll put, two, they'll put a, a true fullback out there but also a tailback in the same right. backfield with him. They'll put two tight ends out there. They'll spread you out. They do a ton. RPO, as my man Harsh mentioned, a lot of RPO game, a lot of design quarterback runs. And when all the you know the fit hits the sham, when everything breaks down, quarterback scramble. Better have a spy on them too. They just stress you in so many ways. I was listening to a Nick Saban uh, interview this earlier, this is like last week, I believe it was, after they faced Tennessee. And he was talking about facing these offenses, these hybrid spread schemes, as my man Jeff Howe calls them, that are so multiple that oftentimes you'll just forget something really simple as a defensive coordinator to give to your 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 you know your your players and you you almost assume, which is a bad thing, that they they know how to line up against certain formations and certain packages because you think it's so rudimentary and so simple. Oh, my guys will know that. I ain't got to go over that. Well, you'd be wrong. Right. You must go over the most rudimentary <laughs> of concepts and uh, personnel packages and formations. And here's Nick Saban telling you how difficult that is. And this is for the GOAT. 
years ago. You know, it was eye formation. Um, you know, there were two wideouts in the game. Uh, it was wad ball. You know, everybody was running lead draw and power and sweeps. And we, we had, Tennessee got in what looked like an eye formation last week on the goal line. And our players actually did not know what to do. Hmm. Wow. They had never seen it. That's old school. Never seen it's it. It's totally old school. So um, the game has just changed so much. And, uh, you know, the game now is spread out. And if you notice last week's game, their receivers are like two yards from the boundary. Mm -hmm. right? And 35 yards away is actually the ball and the center and the rest of the formation. Right. And you got to put up people out there to guard those guys. And that just, you got a lot of people covering lots of grass. Right. But right here is where the ball's getting run, and they're all out there. Right. So, um, but anyway, the game has just changed dramatically. And I think for the good, it's probably right, more exciting to watch. Fans um, probably enjoy it more. My point is that it, they give you so much to prepare for. They use Deuce in so many ways. You have to prepare for everything from the eye formation with a fullback to empty sets with Deuce Vaughn as the number three receiver on the th trip side. The eye formation All is like the side. rotary phone. Like people didn't know what to do. You know what your, your kids had a rotary you, phone. They would not they know how to call <laughs> nobody. You know, that's just what it is. That's why he said what the kids didn't know thing? what to do. Yeah. And that's why, because they're so used to what he said, the you spread, spread offense up. and trying to figure things out. It's like, hey, kids, I need you to call this number. <laughs> and you can't do it because they don't know how to do it. They're That's pushing a great at it. comparison. You know what I'm saying? Totally so, agree with that, yeah. man. Uh, all right, we come back. Rod's round the day. I'll tell you the one defensive concept that Texas should have been working on in the bye week. Also, I'll tell you one theory. It's just one theory as to why NFL scoring may be down. Part of the reason NFL scoring may be down. We'll talk about that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. I've talked about this all year long. Like The NFL is concerned about scoring being down. Uh, the average total points per game is the lowest point total since 2010. It's at 43.4, uh, down 3.8 points per game from last year's 47.2. Uh, they've uh, looked at different things, and even the uh, the uh, if you look at the football academics, if you want to call them that, the people who study the game, football theorists like myself, can't really figure out exactly what's going on. They think it's uh, multifactorial. It's a it's a, a culmination of different things, uh, but it's leading to very competitive uh, games. Uh, the nine point three points uh, average margin of victory is the lowest <clears throat> since they started keeping track in 1983. So you're seeing the most competitive brand of football you've ever seen through eight weeks of the season, through halfway through the season. But it's um, not leading to a lot of points. So they're getting the parity, but not the points. And a lot of theories have been thrown out there. We threw out the you know teams are playing more two high coverages uh, with two deep safeties, with three deep safeties, so more cover two, cover four, cover sixes. Um, hybridism is something I think you have more – talk about positionless football being the future of football. I think more teams have embraced positionless football. So you're starting to see teams not be able to uh, manipulate so many advantages across the board because you got these hybrid players who at, at any point, they're, ne they're not necessarily at a disadvantage. 
because they can be whatever the moment calls for them to be. Um, I've pointed out also the teams are running the ball more, uh, 4.5 yards per carry through seven weeks, most since 1960. So teams are having more success running the ball, running it more, leads to scoring being down. But here's a theory that I think is a, a great theory, um, and I've heard some uh, kind of football theorists like myself dive into this uh, theory, and I like it. Um, and Dominique Foxworth, who uh, is a— Awesome. Yeah, yeah, he really does. He does a great job as an analyst. Um, I don't know who—he's with ESPN, but he's with a lot of different— yeah. he's, he's got a lot of different things going on. He's great. And he threw threw this out there, and I like this <laughs> this random take. And Dominic Foxworth, I think I remember him from his time in Denver too. Yeah, like my last years yeah. there, like right around that time. But anyway, uh, he said this via Twitter: "Cornerbacks in the NFL right now are insanely good. This generation was born in the darkness of back shoulder fades, alien wide receivers, and biased rules." I feel like Bob Pettit watching Giannis right now. He said, some of my favorites, just who are three years or younger, Patrick Sertain, Patrick Sertain uh, Sauce Gardner, Trevon Diggs, Jack Jones, uh, J.C. Horn. I went and looked at Peter King's Defensive Rookie of the Year voting because he's uh, already listing his voting in Football Morning in America. He's got Defensive Rookie of the Year voting in his mind. Sauce Gardner, number one, the cornerback from the Jets. Jaquan Brisker, the safety from Chicago, number two. He's got Aiden Hutchinson, the defensive end from Detroit, number number three. Jack Jones, though, the cornerback from New England, number four. And Kyler Gordon, the cornerback from Chicago at number five. I went and looked at CBS Sports top ten rankings of rookies, and they have Sauce Gardner, Jaquan, Jaquan Brisker, Jack Jones. Uh, they also have uh, Tariq Woolen. Mm-hmm. Who's leading the NFL? Uh, he should be right higher. Now. I think right. he should be higher. I think he should be right behind Sauce. Yeah, uh, he's he's on there too. Uh, he's got four interceptions tied for the yep. NFL lead. Also a rookie, and I think Dominique Foxworth makes a really good point about you know how these young DBs and young defenders have been. Uh, I call them spread babies. Is what I've called them, but they've been brought up almost as agents of chaos. They've been brought up in a world of mobile quarterbacks. RPOs and run pass options, uh, quick game, pace and space, so up-tempo offenses, air raid, hybrid spread schemes with read options, zone read, package plays. And and I think all of this has kind of led to them becoming more and more refined as coverage defenders. And now you're looking at some of the young coverage defenders in the NFL – they're playing at elite levels right now, at really high levels for young players. And even the guys who are younger, not necessarily rookies, but guys like Trevon Diggs, J.C. Horn, um, you know, as we talked about other guys, Patrick State, they're playing at a really high level too. And I do think there may be something to the theory that Dominique Foxworth put out there that, you know, how do you defend more space with fewer defenders, right? Well, you need better defenders. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I think it's that simple. I, that, that's the, the old joke that defensive coordinators are throwing around. And that in, this, in this world of football Darwinism, right, this football evolution, the survival of the fittest, what happens in evolution, right? It literally, it, you, your, your, your skills and traits are honed so that you can thrive in whatever ecosystem you're in. Evolves over time. And I do think now you're starting to see some of the best developed and 
cultivated defend coverage defenders that we've seen in a long time as a young crop thrown out there in a in an NFL and in a, a really a elite level uh football world that has prioritized passing and that has some of the best skill talent um, involved in the passing game we've ever seen, whether it be quarterbacks or wide receivers or, or running backs who are dual threat as runners and as pass catchers. And yet I think you're starting to see defenders that are a lot more savvy and a lot more adaptable to that style of play. There's a great quote from Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> Um, where Batman, for the first time, he goes into the underground dwelling to meet Bane for the first time. Oh, like to meet him face to face, and he wants to fight him. Yeah, I want to fight Bane because I'm I'm Batman. I'm a badass. All right, nobody wants to fight me. I'm the dark freaking knight. And he goes down into this dark underground dwelling. Basically, uh, I believe it's basically like their uh, sewage, like the sewer system down there where he's uh, posted up. And Batman goes down there to confront Bane. And in my opinion, I think Bane does a great job of almost kind of a microcosm, if you will, of what DBs and defenders these days have to go through with all the advantages being lopsided and all the advantages slanted towards the offense. But something has happened now in evolutionary adaptation where the defenders who have always had all of the odds stacked against them with all these cheat codes and these different rules that have been made to uh, to facilitate offense. They have now been fine tuned and battle tested. And it's because of the darkness that they were brought up in. Here is Bane giving Dark Knight the business. Darkness is your ally. You merely adopted the dark. I was born in it, molded by it. I didn't see the light until I was already a man. By then, it was nothing to me but blinding. The shadows betray you because they belong to me. It's very possible. That the advantages that the offense is think that thought they've had now for the last few years because they've had these matchup advantages over offense uh, over defensive players period because all of the different cheat codes the RPOs the play action pass the the the, the pre snap motions and shifts and all the, the zone read and all the different offensive concepts that have stacked the odds against the defense it's very possible there's a new generation of DBs out here where the darkness is their ally. That they don't fear RPOs like I would. I'd go out there like, what the hell, man? RPOs is crazy. Oh, man, play action pass all the time. This is wild, man. It's crazy. All right? Zone read. You got dual threat quarterbacks. Spin, package plays. Everything stacked up against the defense. And usually, you know, defenders are going to panic in that situation. I think these guys are used to it. They are acclimated. They are perfectly evolved to this new era of darkness that defenders find themselves in. And they are cool with it. They're like bangs. Darkness. It's, yeah, it's their yeah. ally. Like, I, yeah. I really, it's crazy right now. So we'll see if this continues. But right now, I think that's also one of the theories to throw in there. Maybe the defenders are just better. Maybe the younger defenders are better than they used to be, and maybe the older defenders are starting to adapt at a higher level to some of these really uh, uh, advantageous cheat codes and force multipliers offenses have used for the last few, you know, 10 years now. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love so, it. 
I love, the, I love the Bane reference though. Oh. I mean, that's one of my one of my favorite oh, characters he's... in uh, the oh. Batman series, so to speak. Bane is something special. Bane didn't even really have any street cred until the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. I'm talking about like from the comics. From like, the comics, you didn't yeah. rank Bane up there with the all-time great uh, Batman villains, and now that Bane is like top three or four. Oh, for Batman sure. Oh, you gotta remember he was awful in that one in the, the oh, Tim Burton. Yes. Yeah. He was the one with Poison Ivy that came yes. out, and he was just to act up, but kind of an idiot. He's a caricature of, of him. So. But yeah. you know what happened? He evolved. Ah, you know what I'm saying? Well he evolved. Well done there. I <laughs> he like realized that. I gotta get nasty. Yeah, I got to like, become this monster. Dude, I'm telling you, these DBs. Yeah. I, I am. You said it too. You were a big fan of Sauce Garden. You're yep. like, man, he is killing it right now. Killing. All it. these young DBs are playing really well. Yeah. They're supposed to be getting used and abused in a new era, a new age of football, and they're not. Yeah. They're balling out of control. One okay. of my one of my one of my good friends is that <laughs> he was the defensive backs coach for Cincinnati, and he kept telling me about Sauce Gardner. The entire time. Now he's the defensive backs coach at Ohio State oh, with yeah. Jim Knowles. Uh-huh. So, he, uh, yeah, so he got that oh, game, he, too. He must got some games. Oh, yeah, he's Jim got Knowles that game, too. Yeah. That's legit. Yeah, yeah Sauce Gardner, uh, right now third uh, graded, highest graded corner by Pro Football Focus. Yeah, beast. By their grade. Yeah, he's a beast. Yeah. Okay, well, I told you I'd give you what Texas should work on in the uh, bye week real quick because I'm going to go into detail about this. Uh, slant routes, post routes, and glances. Mm-hmm. A glance is just a, a slant route on the RPO. It's a, the tag, they call it. Uh, in the last two weeks, uh, opponents are completing over 77% of their glances, slants, and post routes against Texas. Mm. And they are converting a first down or a touchdown over 66% of the time mm. when they target a glance route, mm. a post route, or a slant route against Texas. Get it fixed. Get it fixed. Inside leverage. Get it fixed. All right, we'll come back. We'll uh, get into Austin FC's disappointing uh, oh, uh, performance versus LAFC on the other side. Right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104.9 The Horn. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Smooth Soul Monday edition of Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. And, uh, yes, this is what Smooth Soul Mondays are for. They are to uh, soothe the soul, the tortured soul of sports fans who may be dealing uh, with a hard L from the weekend. And Austin FC fans, Uh, all of us. That's a hard L. That's a hard L. (laughs) That's a hard capital L that they took to LAFC. LAFC. No, I think that was a little bit of false optimism because LAFC had two L's to Austin FC this past mm-hmm. year, this past season. So I get it. That's you know that's understandable. But LAFC was considered by most to be the favorite to win. I believe before the season started to win mm-hmm. it all, and they they made some upgrades in during the season. Just like Correct. just like uh, Austin FC made some upgrades to their roster. Uh, they made the best roster arguably in MLS made upgrades in LAFC. They showed out. And um, if you watch the entire match, it didn't look like a match between the two best teams in the Western Conference. It did not. Okay. It did not. Yeah. And as we talked about before, Rod, it just seemed like LAFC took what made Austin FC so good, and that's the aggressiveness, the way that they were attacking, 
and used it against them because they flipped the script on them. They did. They be, they were the aggressor. Yep. They were the ones that were pressing the issue the entire time. And the frustrating part about it is the uh, the Austin FC didn't turn it on either. They didn't turn it on to be aggressive to kind of match that intensity. It doesn't take you long to recognize what's going on Mm. because I saw it right away. Yeah, it did seem like it was obvious right away that uh, LAFC wanted to be the aggressor Mm -hmm. and they wanted to put a ton of pressure on Austin FC. They wanted to use their home pitch uh, uh, advantage, if Mm -hmm. you will, and use that environment because they were rabid. there is a there's a belief that Austin FC has the most uh, formidable home pitch environment Ooh, in all of uh, MLS. Uh, I think LAFC wanted to they they basically wanted to uh, have their own say in yeah. that narrative that oh Austin FC has the most uh, dominant or the most formidable home pitch environment. LAFC that was they were rabbit. Yep. Hell, they dropped a couple of f bombs that I heard just watching. Oh yeah. He's like. Just randomly no, cussing was, out Austin <laughs> FC. It's like, oh, I, oh wow. Okay, yeah, they was ready to get it on. Yeah, they was ready to get it on. And honestly, the truth is, it should have been uh, a bit. I mean, obviously, LAFC won 3 nil. It should have been a bigger lead early on for LAFC. Even the broadcasters kept saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, they said that Austin FC had gotten kind of lucky early on. That luck ran out uh, with a lot of the set pieces. Uh, I think that's where they scored their two their first mm-hmm. two goals off those set pieces. Yeah. And then the own goal, yeah. the header off Max Uriti. Uh, yeah. Uh, was uh, that was probably embarrassing as well because I believe he he I believe he subbed Yuri in like right for that set piece yeah. if I'm not mistaken yeah I, I and then think he ended so, up though. with the own goal yeah it was not a like you said it was uh, one of those one of those situations where you're like man I just wish that it would have been more competitive it didn't seem like it was competitive no. and one of the biggest parts about it was they took Jerusi out of the game it was almost like in basketball and Patrick you you get this reference and I know Rob will. You know how you have a lockdown corner in football Mm -hmm. and then you run a boxing one on a defender, as a defender? That's exactly what it felt like to me. They had him where he Mm -hmm. was never in a position to succeed. They took it all away from him immediately. It was was rare to watch a game where Sebastian Driussi is a non-factor for him. And it felt like they couldn't. And and maybe this is about Josh Wolf as a, a, a tactical coach and a strategist. How do you? It's almost like football. How do you scheme open? Yeah, you can't. You can't and I, and yeah, I know it's hard. To, that's, yeah. It's obviously not as easy, but yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, you cannot allow them to make your best player a non-factor, whichever way that is. Twenty-two shots to seven. Mm-hmm. LAFC uh, uh, had the advantage there. Uh, Ten shots on goal to one. Yeah. Well, ten it, shots on goal to, to one. one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They were locking them down. But then here's the other part of it. They they ended up getting some corner kicks, but they were passing it. They weren't even trying to score from there, yeah. and that's been part of their best part. The best part of their season has been Diego Fagundes in the corner kicking the ball towards the goal, and everybody either getting a header, getting a shot on goal. There were so many different ways that they had opportunities to score or attempt to score. But they were doing the short corner. I really didn't understand what the game plan was, especially when you get behind. You got to be more aggressive in those situations. Yeah, because it's, it's soccer. It's tough to score those well, goals, especially against LAFC. Yes, I mean LAFC. They, yeah. I, I think it's it's fair to say LAFC is just a better team, and you sh- that shouldn't be any shame in Austin FC oh, losing no, LAFC. Not at all. No. Uh, it's disappointing. 
because with you, like you said, it should have been more competitive. But there's no shame. Austin FC is one of the best stories in sports this season. For sure. Um, and getting to the conference, the Western Conference Finals, uh, losing to LAFC. I mean, I don't think anybody would have predicted that when the season started. And you may have an MVP. Oh, we for don't sure. know yet, yeah. but I think Seba would definitely be in the conversation. So. Well, and that's why I look at it and see the success of what the signings they had during the offseason that changed the way this team looked. Oh, yeah. Everything about their their signings and the players that they brought in, the reason why they brought these players in is the reason why a lot of people have re-upped their tickets, too. No doubt. And it was all sold out the entire year. So yeah. that's great work for them and for them to go from second to last to second in the division, that's outstanding. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, all right, we'll come back. We'll get into uh, the other big stories around the day that we might have missed. There's the uh, Roquan, Roquan Smith trade we got to get to. Uh, Brian Harson was let go. We haven't addressed that topic. Michigan we'll talk about State, that. Uh, uh, Michigan State and the brawl in the hall. players that were suspended. <laughs> so we'll kind of throw a, kind of a, a rapid fire and throw in all of those different topics. Have a gumbo, if you will. Yeah. Uh, hit all the topics that we might have missed. Right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful, not the horn.